Welcome to the Liquid Church Podcast, a place where you can hear the timeless truth of God's Word in a way that's culturally relevant and cutting edge. Today, you're tuning in for our series, Resilient, designed to help you reclaim your joy, strengthen your heart, and thrive in turbulent times. It's our hope this message will help you discover how God's story relates to your own and that you will leave feeling encouraged. Thanks for joining us today and enjoy the message. Your soul has taken a beating in the last few years. The sheer madness of modern life. A steady stream of negative news. It's all taken a toll. You're not alone. So many of us are longing, longing for peace, to feel joy again. But we feel anxious from all the chaos in this crazy world. But take heart. You can recover your joy. You can thrive in turbulent times. It's possible to replenish your soul and stay rooted in Christ. Let God bestow on you the strength that prevails to make you resilient. Hey, 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 Liquid Church. So good to be with you. How are we doing today? I want to welcome everyone in the room, all of our campuses, and most importantly, everyone watching online. If you can, type in the chat. Let us know where you're tuning in from, wherever you're at. Thanks for being with us. We're so glad that you're here. If you're jumping in with us, over the last six weeks, we've been in this series called Resilient. And as a church, we've been seeking and relying on God's presence so that he can give us the strength. He can give us his resilience. And I don't know about you, but this has been one of the most impactful sermon series that I have been able to be part of. God is on the move here at Liquid in a big, big way. In fact, just last week, we saw hundreds of people across all of our locations and online take a stand and invite God into the depths of their lives and their hearts. We saw God setting people free from their guilt and shame. People found freedom from their mistakes and their past. People were set free from their addiction. And in this place in front of our God, people laid their lives down so that they could be raised up in him. God is up to big things. Can we as a church celebrate the hundreds of decisions, the hundreds of decisions that were made last week and the movement that God is starting right here, right now in New Jersey. And I want to just tell you, if you made a decision last week, I'm so, so proud of you, but our God is so proud of you. I also want to give you just a challenge as a friend and as a pastor. The decision that you made last week was not, it's not the finish line of what God has for you. It's actually just the beginning. It's the starting line. And I believe that he has so much more in store for you. So I want to give you a next step. In two weeks, two weeks, November 20th, we're celebrating baptisms here at Liquid. If you haven't been baptized yet, now is your moment to publicly show and declare to the world what God is doing inside of you. In baptism, you see people go under the water, and that represents the decision you made to surrender your old life to Jesus, and then you see those people coming up out of the water, representing the new life that Jesus has to offer. I want to challenge you. Don't leave your faith and your decision in the privacy of your heart. Let us as a church just come alongside you and celebrate you and your decision to follow Jesus with your entire life. Uh, If you have questions or if you're ready to sign up, um, you can just type into the chat or talk to someone in our lobbies or just visit us at liquidchurch.com slash baptism. We're excited for you and this new journey that you're on, and we can't wait to celebrate with you in two weeks, liquidchurch.com slash baptism. 
Today, though, we're continuing in our resilience series, and I, I want to share with you three types of prayers that I've learned throughout my life. And these prayers have gotten me through the highs and, and the lows, and God has used them to pull me close to Him. And I believe if you'll practice these three prayers on a daily basis, you'll discover that God is a lot closer than you think. But I think you'll also find the resilience that He wants to offer you. But before we get there, I've got a really important question to ask. Is, is this a safe place? Oh, no, no, no. You're going you're gonna to have to help me out a little bit more than that. I need a little bit more confidence than that because I've got a confession to make. Is, is this a safe place in this room? All right, all right. Because I have this, uh, this debilitating condition that I just feel the need to, to kind of come clean about. You see, for the fat last uh, probably year, 13 months, I've been suffering silently with an overwhelming weight. And I think I just need to say it out loud. I, I suffer from something called new parent smugness. And what that means is that because I have now successfully kept my daughter Winter alive for 13 months, I truly believe that I am a better parent than anyone else out there. Do we have any seasoned parents in the room? Anyone that's seen like the highs and the lows of parenting? You've weathered puberty and adolescence. Anyone transition their like children into becoming fully functioning, contributing adult members of society? Yes, my new parent smugness dictates that I still believe I may be better than you at parenting. And the reason why is because I, I have a secret weapon, something that maybe you don't have in your arsenal, a superpower, if you will, that no one, no one else has. I can cure skin knees after a difficult fall. I can heal sickness and sadness in one fail swoop. Um, when winter's angry or hurt or disappointed, I can solve it with one special tool. Are you guys ready for this, my secret weapon? a bottle of milk. It fixes absolutely everything. And the last 13 months of parenting and my experiences of those last 13 months have convinced me that I've got this thing down. I'm certain that no matter what winter walks through in the next 17 years of her life with one glass of milk, we're, we're going to fix it. No problems. Now, don't be laughing at me right now, because the, the reason why I know this is true is, is because winter is always going to be this cute, this sweet, this, this perfect. I, I know, right? Halloween was good to me. If, if you haven't caught on yet, I'm, I'm just a little bit crazy about my daughter. I've turned into a mush of a person as her father. I, I watch her every move as if she's my entire world. When she takes a step, I celebrate it like she's Neil Armstrong taking her his first steps on the moon. When she's naughty, I go around the corner and giggle to myself that I'm raising a spicy little independent girl. When she eats her vegetables, I do a dance for her. When she says dada instead of mama, I beam with pride on the inside. I'm absolutely crazy about this little girl, and I tell her every day how loved she is. Has anyone told you lately how loved you are by your Father, your Heavenly Father, our God? He's, he's crazy about you, too. He obsesses over you. He watches your every movie, talks about you to all of his friends. He thinks you're cuter than you really are. He sees the best in you. Our God is crazy about you. And unlike me, he really is a better father than any of us. Unlike me, he really does have the healing, the resilience, the strength that we need to face this world. And he wants to give it to you. In fact, 130 times in Scripture, God is referred to as Father. And what that means is that overwhelmingly so, God wants you to know that you are his child and he is obsessed with your every move. 
David in, in Psalm 139, he, he describes our Heavenly Father this way. And just, just let these words sink into your life for just a moment, these words about our God. And here's what David writes, Psalm 139. He says, you have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. He's watching that too. You perceive my thoughts from afar. God, before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely. You hem me in from behind and before, and you lay your hand on me. For you, God, created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before any one of them came to be. Watch this. How amazing are your thoughts concerning me, God? How vast is the sum of them? This is my favorite part. Listen in on this. How vast is the sum of your thoughts about me, God? Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. David is saying that God thinks about you more times in a day than there are grains of sand on the seashore. Your Father in heaven sees you. He knows you. He watches you, and he is cheering you on. He's smiling when he sees you enjoy a meal with your loved ones. He's delighted when you're eating breakfast with your family. He's bored when you're in that work meeting. He's laughing alongside you when you're watching Netflix. He was even there when that naughty word came out of your mouth, when you got cut off in traffic. It also reminded him that he created a spicy little independent child, but also language. Let's, let's, let's be good on that. You're the focus and the apple of his eye, and he's always with you. But here's my fear. Do we always recognize it? You see, 95% of our life is lived in these sort of mundane thoughts and activities Drive to work. Did I pack my lunch? What activities do I have during the day? Is that a squirrel on the side of the road? Did I kids eat breakfast? What am I going to have for lunch? I hope that squirrel is okay. I'm really worried about it. Did I respond to that email? Was it too harsh with my friend on the phone? And on and on and on and on. Distraction after distraction. But here's the key. While those distractions run in the back of our mind, it doesn't mean we're by ourselves. It just means that God is long for the ride with us. What would happen, though? if we took the time to recognize God and invite him in along the way. Can I share with you a prayer that I've learned throughout my life? It's really simple. It goes like this. God, meet me in the Monday. Meet me in the Monday. And do you know who taught me this prayer? Is actually my dad. See, every night he would tuck me into bed. Going to bed is a pretty mundane thing that we do every night. And every night we would pray the same prayer together. Maybe it's one that you know. It goes like this. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. And I'll say this. In terms of prayers, this isn't a great one. It's a bit grim for a child. And I think we can do a little bit better. But in terms of inviting, in terms of inviting God to meet us in the mundane moments of life, it's continued to be a golden lesson. God wants to meet me in the mundane. If you're a parent in the room, can I just speak to you for a second? I don't know that there's anything better than you can do for your child than to pray alongside them daily. It doesn't matter how good or bad the prayer is. It's okay. I turned out okay, so clearly it doesn't matter all that much. What matters is that you teach your children that they have a heavenly father that's listening that's near and that wants to meet them in the mundane moments of their lives. Pray with me, pray with them, meet me in the mundane. 
Paul says it like this in, in 1 Thessalonians. He says, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. What he's saying is that we need to, we need to invite God into every moment of our lives. So pray for safety every time you get into the car each morning. Praise God at the end of each day together. Thank God every time it's 70 and sunny in the month of November. Anyone with me? Man, my family, we prayed the same prayer before every meal. It could have been something healthy like a salad, or it could have been pizza and chicken nuggets. It didn't matter. We said, Lord, make this food as greasy as it may be, a nourishment to our bodies. Again, the prayers could have been better, but the principle has stuck with me. Take every moment to recognize and meet God in the mundane. He's there, and he's waiting to meet you. So that's the first prayer that I learned. And I, I have to tell you, of the three, it's definitely the easiest. David, at the end of Psalm 139, hints at the need for a second prayer. Remember what he, what he wrote. He wrote about God being um, this person that, that has just ordained every step of our lives. He writes that, that God knows our very words before we speak them. And God thinks about us more times than our grains of sand. So that's how he starts Psalm 139. But watch how he ends it. Here's what he says at the end of the psalm. He says, search me, God, know my anxious or know my heart and test me and know, what is it? Know my anxious thoughts. Know my anxious thoughts. And what David is saying is that even if we meet God in the mundane, even if we know he's near at all times, there's still going to be these cares in our life that causes anxiety and worry. No matter how good the 95% of our life is, all of us in the back of our minds have worries and burdens that we are carrying. And for me, this, this week, I got a call from my, from my dad, and he gave me the bad news that my grandma was in the hospital again. And I, and I can hear the nervousness in his voice and immediately anxious thoughts. It, it's, the, it's the pit in the stomach you get at the end of the month when the finances don't look like they're going to match up. It's anxious thoughts. It's the soul-searching you do when you feel like your child is just walking further and further away from God. It's the worry you walk with as, as that relationship with your spouse goes further and further distant. It's the guilt you carry for the way that you've let the people around you down. It's the realization that your career just seems to be going nowhere, and the list goes on and on and on. There's always anxious thoughts and always the cares of this world. See, behind the distractions, behind the 95% of our lives, we are all carrying around something. We all have anxious thoughts. Can I give you some encouragement, though? Your heavenly Father knows this about you. Psalm 139 says that God perceived your thoughts from afar. He knows what you're going through because he's a good father, and good fathers know what their children need. In fact, the other night, Winter was, was having a difficult day. She was sick. She was sad. She's pushing teeth. And we set her down to bed like we always do, but we knew we were in for a rough night. So I kissed her, and I, I set her in her crib, and then I sat down on the floor right outside her door, super weapon in hand, and I waited. I waited on the floor outside of her room. In fact, I waited so long that I actually fell asleep. Don't judge me. I never said I was a perfect dad, just a good dad. And then about 3 o'clock in the morning, I heard it. I heard her cry, and she needed my help. 
What she didn't know, though, was that her dad was right on the other side of the door. And I shot into her room like a superhero, and I held my hand the one thing that would make her feel better. I had in my hand everything that she needed in that moment, and all she had to do was cry out. And I was there because nothing, nothing draws me nearer than the cry of my daughter. Nothing grabs my heart more than her calling out to me. Are you catching it? Are you with me? Liquid, your heavenly father sitting right outside the door of your heart. He's waiting for you to simply cry out to him. And he has the healing of the nations in his hands. He wants to step into your mess, your pain, your worries, and lift you up. There's nothing that draws our God closer than our cries for help. There's nothing that grabs his heart more than us calling out to him. Psalm 145 says that God hears our cries and saves us. First Peter 3, 12 says that God's eyes and their ears. They're attentive to our prayers of need. In Exodus 2, God hears the groaning of his people and he pulls them out of slavery. Isaiah 65, God says that we're still speaking. He's hearing us. Hebrews 4 says that God is our help in time of need. There is nothing that draws our God nearer than our cries for help. There's nothing that grabs his heart more than us calling out to him. He holds out his hands and in them is everything that we need. So let's cry out to him. In fact, can I give you a prayer, a prayer that I use when the weight is too heavy and the, the anxious thoughts are, are too overwhelming. Here's the prayer that I pray. It's so simple. I say, hear my cry in the crisis. Hear my cry in the crisis. And it's just this consistent reminder in my life to cry out because my God is near. It's a reminder that he has the strength and the resilience to get us through anything. Peter, one of the writers of the New Testament, says it like this. He says that we need to humble ourselves. We need to humble ourselves under God's mighty hand so that he can lift us up in due time. Cast all your what? Your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And this is the, the practice of benevolent detachment that we've learned a few weeks ago. We set our anxieties and our cares and our burdens at the feet of Jesus because we can't carry them on our own. We lovingly cry out, this weight is too much, Jesus. Hear my cry in the crisis. And we leave those burdens with him because he is a good father. I remember the first time I, I found myself praying this prayer. I was 14 years old, and it involved casserole dishes. I'll tell you what I mean. It's the day after Christmas, and I distinctly remember that Christmas because my parents had gone way overboard with the presents. We'd, uh, we'd gotten everything we wanted on our list and, and so much more. And then on December 26, uh, my world just flipped upside down. My mom and dad sat me and my little brother down, and I don't remember all the words of the conversation, but a few of them stuck out. They said, we don't love each other anymore. Your mom is going to move out. The very next day, movers showed up and took all of my mom's stuff out of the house. My parents were the center of my life. They were the center of my faith. They were the ones that taught me how to pray and meet God in the mundane. And for the first time in my life, I felt the anxious thoughts. I felt the weight on me in that moment. My family had fallen apart and I was all alone. And to be honest, I, I didn't have the words to cry out, but in the depths of my soul, there was nothing else I could do but cry. And if you're here and you're in that moment right now, can I just tell you, remind you one more time, that nothing draws our God more near than our cries for help. Nothing tunes his heart to ours like the aching tears of our pain. Cry out to God in your crisis. 
is a couple of days later sitting playing video games because there's nothing like the mundane to distract you from the deeper cares in your life, is there? That's when I heard the doorbell ring and I went over and opened the door and there was this super old lady standing there. Guys, so old. And she's standing there and before I can even say a word, this one reaches out, pulls me in tight and gives me a giant hug. And to this day, I remember her sandpaper skin cheek pressing up against mine as she held me tight so uncomfortably for a few seconds. She let me go and she said these words I'll never forget. She said, I heard what happened with your family. I wanted you to know you always have a home with us. We're from your church around the corner. You always have a family with us. And then she shoved a casserole dish into my hands. <laughs> and pause in the story for just a second. One thing uh, you just have to know about me is that I absolutely hate casserole. It's my least favorite food on the whole planet. And I'll tell you why. You take all the greatest ingredients in the world. Potatoes, good. Butter, great. Cheese, incredible. Bacon, what more could you need? And then every person adds Satan's ingredient, onions. And I hate onions. Unpause from the story. I take one look at the casserole in my hand, and I know this woman has layered it with onions. So I shoved it to the back of the fridge to never be seen again and went back to my video game. And I thought to myself, wow, that was a weird encounter. The next day, I was back to playing video games once again. Another doorbell rang. I opened the door. It was an even older lady. She went for a hug, sandpaper cheek up against mine, and she said nearly the exact same thing. I'm from your church around the corner. I heard what happened with your family. I want you to know that you always have a home. You always have a family with us. And then she shoved another casserole dish into my hands, and it too was completely riddled with onions. Into the fridge, back to the video games. What are the odds? Two days in a row. The next day, another old lady. She's somehow even older. Hug. Sandpaper cheek against mine. Casserole dish in hand. I'm from your church around the corner. I heard what happened with your family. I want you to know you always have a home and always have a family and place with us. Two more days. Two more older ladies, two more casserole dishes, two more sandpaper hugs, and two more times being told that I always have a place and I always have a family at my church around the corner. And by the end of the week, my fridge was completely filled with inedible onion food. But more importantly, my heart was even more full because Jesus had heard the cry of my heart and he showed up with casserole dishes. There's nothing that draws a father closer than the cries of his children. So what do you need to cry out to God about today? What do you need to benevolently detach from and set at his feet? What are your anxious thoughts? Is it your aging parents? Is it your relationship with your kids? Is it the health diagnosis you received? Is it your uncertain future, your spouses, your finances, your family, your job, the state of our world? What are your anxious thoughts? Whatever they are, let's pray this prayer together. God, hear my cry in the crisis because I can't carry this on my own. Liquid, cast your cares on him and he will lift you up. Are you with me? So if you're following along, we meet God in the mundane. We cry out to God in the crisis. But remember, there's one last prayer that I want to share with you. And this one's a bit more dangerous than the first two. The first ones are easy because they're 100% on our term. We reach out to God and speak to him when we want to and how we want to. Our God lets us talk to him. And the best part is he's open 24-7 to us. This last prayer is a bit different, though, because it's more about us opening ourselves up to God and what he wants to say to us. Here's our final prayer. It goes like this. God, speak to me 
in the silence. Now, maybe you grew up in a church like I did, a church that, that taught that God spoke past tense rather than a church that taught that he speaks present tense. You know, it's like right here in the Bible, that's all you need. But God's voice is not just for someone else. It's actually for you. I want to challenge you. I just want you to hear this. If you'll ask him, if you'll listen, God wants to speak to you. You are his child. He is your father and father's delight in speaking to their kids. You see, as much as God loves for us to recount our mundane days, as much as he cares enough to show up when we cry out, he loves even more to speak over us. In John 10, 27, Jesus, Jesus actually says that my sheep, they hear my voice and I, I know them and they follow me. He wants to speak to us. He wants us to follow. He wants us to recognize his voice. He wants to speak to you in the deepest part of your soul. He wants to encourage you. He wants to share truth with you. He wants to guide you. He wants to speak destiny over you. He wants to reveal his character to you. God wants to speak. So I have a question. Do you have the boldness to ask him to pray? God, speak to me in the silence. Do you have the boldness for that? It was three years after the, the casserole incident when I prayed this prayer for the first time. And over those three years, I, I didn't really know where to go. I went where I was loved the most. And as my home situation got worse, I found myself spending more and more time at church. I was crashing on the couches of, of old ladies and eating all my youth pastor's food. Steve, if you're watching this, I'm sorry, man. Teenagers eat a lot of food. My church had fully adopted me into their family. Um, by the way, that's, that's what the church has always been for. God calls us to be the hands and feet of Jesus. He calls us to true religion, which is caring for the widows and orphans, and maybe even for like overeating teenagers that have overstayed their welcome. <laughs> and as I got older, I started to enter into my senior year of high school. Those anxious thoughts started to, to return again. I started to get nervous about what I should do with my life. I started to ask what's next for me. And typically it's your family that helps you answer those tough life questions. It's your family that guides you on where to go. But my family had fallen apart. So I went to the next best thing. I went to the church. And I remember I went on a retreat with my youth group. And we'd been challenged to practice silence and, and to listen to the voice of God. And on that retreat, I took, I took this journal with me. And in July of 2007, I stood up on a hill, sat up on the side of the hill overlooking a beautiful lake all by myself, just in silence with the goal of hearing God speak. I had no clue what I was doing. It didn't go super well. And these are the words that I wrote that day. Also, don't judge me because I was 17 years old uh, when I wrote them, but here's how the entry begins. It starts off, this silence is terrible. I've never gone a day in my life without speaking. I'm tired of being silent. I just want to go back to the lake with my friends. That's what I wrote. And in teenage language, that's code for all the cute girls are at the lake. What am I doing up here by myself all alone? Notice that the mundane distractions are always calling for attention, aren't they? Can I give you a warning? Don't let those distractions steal you away from God wants to speak to you today. Find a silent place in your life, the car, the closet, lock yourself in the bathroom, whatever you need to do to be alone and silent and ask God to speak to you today. I'm a little bit proud of myself. I, I pushed past the distractions in that moment. I continued in my journal and I wrote next, I'm, I wrote this. I said, I'm sitting here asking the question, God, where should I go? That's at least how it started. And I said, all right, Lord, when are you going to tell me where to go? 
All right, Lord, just give me the word now. Anytime now, God, I'm ready for it. All right, it's about time. I need it to happen now. Literally, these are the words that I wrote reading back. In case you're wondering, 17-year-old Zach was a little bit spicy. Or maybe he was just a little bit anxious about his future. I wasn't ready to listen just yet. I still had these worries and these cares that I needed to benevolently sit at the feet of Jesus. Liquid, if you're in the middle of a crisis, remember, cast your cares. Cast them on Jesus. He'll lift you up. Because before you can approach God to hear his agenda, to hear him speak, you got to first let go of your agenda and your list of petitions and worries. Set them at his feet. It's at the end of doing that that I got to the last page of my journal entry. Fifteen years ago, I wrote down a prayer. Maybe it's a prayer that sounds familiar to you now. I wrote, all right, Lord. I'm listening to you. Speak to me. I remember I, uh, I sat back. I looked up at the lake in front of me and I tried to block out the cute girls for just a minute. And for the first time in my life, I heard God speak. And here's how the journal entry ended that day. It's been about 15 minutes. Don't judge, 15 minutes in teenage time is like a super, super long time. I wrote, it's about 15 minutes and something just clicked. As cliche as this sounds, I all of a sudden feel at peace. God is saying, be ready to move. And that was the end of my journal entry. (laughs) As I go back and reread it today, I'm a little bit embarrassed. Um, This is the first time I heard God's voice, and it wasn't audible, but in the deepest part of my soul, this familiar voice had spoken out. And to be honest with you, I had no clue what be ready to move went. But looking back now, it turns out that behind the scenes, without me knowing, there were some older ladies in the church who loved me. And they loved me so dearly, you can maybe even call them casserole ladies at this point, that they were quietly going around to their Sunday school class raising money for a scholarship fund a scholarship fund that would later be dedicated to me so that I could go to seminary. And God used this church that had loved me and adopted me to speak destiny over my life. The pastors and the elders of the church told me they believed it was God was calling me to be a pastor. And this church, through the love and generosity of these casserole ladies, paid for me to go to college and study ministry. That's what God meant when he said, be ready to move. And I'll just tell you, God has had me on the move ever since. He's been speaking to me ever since. He used the voices of professors and mentors around me to tell me that God could use my love of storytelling to change lives. And once I I graduated college, I got to go back home, and I was ordained into ministry by this same church, First Christian Church of Harlingen, Texas, a church that loved me so well. And at the end of the ordination service, those sweet old ladies threw the biggest potluck party you've ever seen in the fellowship hall. And can you guess what food they served? Yeah, casseroles. (laughs) And as I look back to God speaking, be ready to move in July of 2007. God speaking resulted in a decade of incredible ministry in Southern California and West Palm Beach, Florida. Jesus decided I really needed to suffer for him 300 days a year of sunshine. (laughs) But on a serious note, it's been a decade of getting to tell stories of God's faithfulness in his church, a decade of adopting the lost and the hurting into his family, and I wouldn't change it for the world. But if you fast forward to about 10 months ago, I started to hear a familiar voice again. But for some reason, I kept hearing the words, New Jersey, 
over and over again when I would sit down and pray, New Jersey, New Jersey. And I'm going to blame it on my love of sunshine because, to be honest, I just kept ignoring the voice. And this went on for months, New Jersey, New Jersey, before I finally just slowed down and listened to what God was saying. And on February 21st of this year, I remember sitting down for lunch with Casey, my wife, and we're in this Thai restaurant, and I shared with her embarrassingly what God was saying to me. She said, New Jersey, are you sure you heard that right? I said, I think so. And we looked at each other a bit puzzled because neither one of us fully understood what that meant. We finished our meal and said that we would spend time praying and asking God to speak in the silence. And it was at that exact moment, literally, as we're walking out of the Thai restaurant, that my phone buzzed. And this is the message that showed up from Pastor Tim. He said, happy Monday, Big Daddy. I think that's a term of endearment. I hope you and Casey are enjoying these early days with winter. I bet she's growing by leaps and bounds. Hey, I wanted to see if you missed preaching enough to come and guest speak at Liquid Lady this year, maybe for a week or two. And I got that text. I just broke down in tears because it turns out our pastor also hears God speak. That or he had West Palm's sunny beaches in mind during cold New Jersey winter. Really, I, I just think that God wanted me to be ready to move again. And I'm standing on this stage today because of casserole dishes and old ladies with sandpaper skin. Even more importantly, I'm standing on this stage because we have a God that speaks. And I hope you're catching how God wants to meet you in the mundane. He hears your cries and is with you in your crisis. But more than anything, he wants to speak to you. He wants to speak to your soul, to the deepest part of you. And if we can descend past the distractions around us, if we can detach from the cares of our world by putting them and casting them on him, we can descend into this silent place. And in that silence, we can ask God to speak. Your heavenly father, he just wants to speak truth over you. He wants to give you courage. He wants to give you resilience. He wants to direct your path and give you a destiny and a future. He wants to whisper with his still, small voice. But it starts with a vulnerable pair. A prayer that goes like this, God, speak to me in the silence. But before you go praying that prayer, I just want you to know, be careful. Because asking God to speak is a dangerous thing. Because like all dads, he loves to talk to his kids. For almost every single night for the last 13 months, I've gotten the privilege of getting to tuck my daughter into bed. That means then the last person that she sees and hears at the end of each day, and there cannot be a greater blessing from God than that moment. And I look forward to it all day long, especially on those days when she's a little too spicy and a little bit too independent. Any parents know what I mean? And we have the same routine every night. It starts with a bottle. And as she sits there in my arms, she can't say a word. And I hold her and I recount her day. And I tell her how amazing her steps were that day. I walk through how many times she swung on the swing set. I remind her what animals we saw at the zoo. If you haven't guessed it yet, the lion is her favorite. And I tell her these things because I want her to know that her dad is watching her even when she does mundane things. And then when, when she's about to go to sleep, I tell her that God's going to keep her safe all night long. But just in case, I'm going to be right on the other side of that door. So just cry out if you need me. I want her to know that her dad hears her cries and will show up to the rescue. And then we get to my favorite part. As she's slowly dozing off to sleep, I whisper truths over her. 
I tell her she's courageous. I tell her she's a gift from God. I speak destiny over her life. I tell her she's going to change the world. It's the only time in my entire day that I get to speak over her uninterrupted, and I whisper everything I think she needs to hear dads love to talk to their kids. I think Winter has a pretty good dad, but I'll tell you this, he's not the best. The best is her heavenly father. And I can't wait to tell her that I am just a shadow of the real thing. That as much as I love and adore her, she's got an even greater admirer watching over her every mundane move. As, as good as I am at hearing her cries, her heavenly father will never not be by her side. And as much as I speak over her, my words pale in comparison to those conversations that God wants to have with her. Three prayers each day. And you too can find your heavenly father and receive the resilience he has for you. Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you so much that you show up in every moment of our lives, the mundane and the busyness. We pray that we can know that you are there. We pray right now that we would meet you in the mundane. Lord, thank you so much that when we cry out, you hear us. And so we pray that you would hear our cries in the crisis, that we would set those things at your feet. And then, Lord, most importantly, we pray this week with hands wide open that we would hear you speak. So, Lord, speak to us in the silence. We want to hear from our Father. We want to hear what you have to say. So we set everything aside and we listen to you speak. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you want to check out Liquid Church for a weekend service, small group, outreach, or clean water trip, you can find out more about us online at liquidchurch.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, go ahead and subscribe or share it with your friends. Thanks again for listening.